Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I told Dad at the beginning of January um, that I had a word that's been in my spirit since October. And I was like, Dad, I've got, I've got to, I've got to get up there. I've got to get up there. I feel like this is a Sunday word, and that Sunday passed, and then the next Sunday passed, and he's like, "Okay, well, you can get up and speak the next Sunday," and I said, "Okay," and then that Tuesday, I got COVID. I haven't had COVID since it came out, but I got COVID that week. But guys, God had to show me something first before I got up here. And I believe God is bringing a wave of anguish over his people. I believe that he is going to start making some people uncomfortable. The norm is not going to be enough. I believe that you think that what you saw up here is crazy. You just wait. You just wait. The glory of the Lord is coming. The glory of the Lord is coming, and you're going to start getting really uncomfortable in your seat. I pray that there is going to be a fire under you that you can't even stay in your seat anymore when things like this start happening. It's coming. And I have had this word, anguish, and this is completely opposite of what Amber said and Dad said about peace, and I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm not going to apologize because it's Holy Spirit. You got to bear with me. It's the first time I'm doing this (laughs) ever. But God's been dealing with me since October. I don't know if you guys remember that Sunday that we had. I believe it was October 26th. I wrote it down because it sparked something in me. All the music stopped. And all you could hear was the weeping the weeping of God's children up here at the altar. And it went on for about 10 minutes, and it was just people mourning and weeping. And there was such a presence. And I remember seeing people on Facebook say, that is, that is the most intense service I've ever been to at McCullough. And I believe, I believe with all my heart God is calling us to a weeping and an anguish over what's going on today. Over the, over the past three years, like he said, I've had um, some prophecies told over me, but mine and uh, God's communication on my end hasn't been what it's needed to be. I've just kind of gotten revelation here and there. and But in October, it was actually January 10th last year that Pastor Frankie Powell said, Autumn, where's your sermon at? Where's your sermon? It's not because God didn't call you. It's because you're not reading your Bible. And I said, okay, all right. I said, God... I'm going to jump out of this boat. I'm not going to step out. 
I'm not Peter. I'm not going to step out, but I'm going to jump out. And I told him that at the beginning of January because I knew God had this word. And every Sunday, I would think it was going to happen, and then Holy Spirit had a different problem. I'm like, okay, I'm getting seasick over here. <laughs> like, I can't stay in this boat much longer. But I told him, this Sunday was different because both of my kids are in nursery, and that, no, that doesn't normally happen. Everett is very uh, attached to me, so he usually pitches a huge fit, and the nursery worker brings him in, and so me or Corey have our hands tied with him. But he's in nursery right now. And I was on, down here at the altar, and Holy Spirit just showed me this boat. And I said, okay, I'm jumping. And then Dad walks up, and he's like, are you ready? And I said, what? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Yes. But all the revelations that I've gotten over the past three years, I said, God, I know you want me to preach. I know you do, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And the spirit of Jeremiah almost came over me like, God, I'm too young. I'm way too young. I don't have any experience. I don't, I don't know. And he brought me to that verse when he told Jeremiah that I have ordained you and you are to be a prophet over the nations. Don't say you're too young because when the Holy Spirit gets involved, it's over. <laughs> so all of these years, I've been getting little revelations here and there, and I would write them in my notebook. And when this word started coming together for me um, in October, God just sat me down, and I said, God, all of these revelations have been about the same thing. I said, I know what you're wanting me to say. And it's from the anguish, passion will rise. And I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear God's heart when I speak to this, speak to you about this. I am not, I am not praying depression over you. I am not praying grief over you. But I am praying that you feel with God's heart. I am praying that you see with his eyes. And that what breaks his heart breaks yours. That's what I'm praying, and that's where the word anguish comes from. And ever since I've been, ever since I've been on this, on this path, I can, I can do nothing in the prayer closet except cry. Nothing. And I thought, I thought I was ready at the beginning of January. I thought I was ready. And then the other night in my prayer closet, I said, God, I hear of these great great <laughs> women of God that say, you know, you have to spend hours and hours in your prayer closet. You have to spend hours and hours in the presence of the Lord for him to use you. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. I've got two babies. They don't nap. They don't nap. I don't, I don't get to use the bathroom by myself. I can't focus on you like I want to. And I want to. I said, but God, I'm not going to let you rest until you use me. I have got to be a part of this awakening that you're going to bring. I have got to be the few 
in the remnant that you're going to use. And I won't let you rest until you use me. And he just started saying, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And I'm in my prayer closet. And I just start praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, this huge wave of grief just came on me. Like I never happened before. I started crying. Like I've never cried in my life. I couldn't even, I couldn't think straight. I, I had to lay on the floor because the weight of it all was just so heavy. My head felt like it was about to explode and I couldn't, it was so hard for me to catch a breath because I was just crying so hard. And I began to see these people and they would just step up to this cliff and they would just look up and they would just take a step and they would fall. And I didn't see what was at the bottom, but all I saw was a glow. And that told me that they were just stepping right off into the lake of fire, and they just had no, no idea, no emotion, no countenance. They would just step up and fall. And I stayed there, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I said, God, this is what you've been, you've been making me wait for. I thought, I thought I was upset over the souls of your people. I thought I was. But this is an entire different feeling, a feeling that I cannot even explain. And I said, this is what you've been waiting for. I have to practice what I'm about to preach. So when I started getting this sermon together, I was coming home from Monroeville, and I was listening to Dave Wilkerson, um, and I was listening to the video, A Cost of Anointing, The Cost of the Anointing, which is a whole entire different sermon on itself. Um, but after that went off, another video came on, and as he began to preach, it began to say everything that I've been feeling in my spirit, word for word. And when I got home, I looked at the, at the title of the video, and it was a call to anguish. And so many times we hear, you know, you have to, you have to cry out. But there's something about the word anguish that just really got my attention. And there has there is so many people in the Bible that God has called, God called because they were humble enough to be broken, completely broken. People like Jeremiah and Nehemiah and Elijah, people that God used mightily simply because they couldn't sit still. And when they were still, they were weeping. <clears throat> so I want to read out of Ezekiel 9, verse 3 or what verse is this? Yes, verse 3 um, to 4. And what's happening right here in this book is 
the people of God have just completely lost sight of who they were, who they, who they are. And God is showing Ezekiel these visions about what's to come. <clears throat> In verse 3 it says, Now the glory of God of Israel went up from above the cherubim, where it had been, and moved to the threshold of the temple. And then the Lord called to the man clothed in linen, who had the riding kid at his side, and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over the detestable things that are done in it. And I want you to uh, turn to chapter uh, 5. Turn back to chapter 5. Sorry. (laughs) And right here, God is actually telling Ezekiel to do things in preparation of what's to come. And in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now, son of man, take a sharp sword and use it as a a barber's razor to shave your head and your beard. Then take a set of scales and divide up the hair. My nose is just pouring, excuse me. When the days of your siege had come upon an end, thank you, burn a third of the hair inside the city. Take a third and strike it with a sword all around the city and scatter a third to the wind, for I will pursue them with a drawn sword. But take a few hairs and tuck them away in the folds of your garment. All right, you can be, you can be seated. What God is saying to Ezekiel here is, this is what he's going to do with a third of the population of Israel. This is what he's going to do with another third of the population. But what struck me is that he said, but take a few hairs, just a few, and tuck them away in, the gar- in your garment. He didn't say take a third of those hairs. He didn't say take a half of those hairs. What he's saying was, I'm going to take a few of those people who have cried out to me, who understand what's going on and are anguished over it, and I'm going to protect them because those are my remnant. We are called to be that few. That's what we're called to do, guys. And I firmly believe that the time is coming where Christians can't go with a normal quo. This, is, this has been my heart. I feel like every time I've gotten the microphone, it can't happen. It can't happen. The normal let, now I lay me down to sleep prayers at night are not good enough anymore. They've never been good enough, but now it's not going to work. You have to be sure. You have to be focused on getting in your prayer closet. What happens on Sunday is not enough if it doesn't carry you to Saturday. It's not going to be enough. And I looked up the word lament that they had that God had spoken in Ezekiel 9, and it says it means to passionately express grief or sorrow. And that made me look up the word anguish. And it says severe mental or physical pain or suffering, 
your emotions are so stirred that it becomes painful. Deep pain over a condition about you, in you, or around you. All I could think of sitting there watching watching everything is that I I want to be so lost in the spirit that I literally bring heaven to earth I want to be so anguished that it becomes painful and I have to say something. If I see demonic activity, I'm not going to be scared, but I'm going to point it in its face because it's so painful to sit there and watch that you know God has a God is greater. And you just get uncomfortable, and you can't just sit there, and you got to say, devil, you've got no place here, man. No place here. And for many, the, oh, forget it, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. It's cool, Bruce. You don't have to. I'm good. <laughs> My problem was, every time I would have an encounter with God, I can almost explain it like a firework. It would be huge. It would knock me off my feet. It was loud. It was explosive. But then it would die. Not long after, it would die. And what God has really begun to show me in these past few months is that it is, it is really a daily, a, a daily thing that you have to do. You have to be intentional about this race that you're running or you're going to get sidetracked by everything that's on the sides of you while you're running the marathon that God's called you to run. And I never knew how important it was. I've grown up in church all my life. I've heard all of these sermons, and it, it made a difference in my life, but it didn't make the difference that I needed to make in my life, if that makes sense. And something changed in me in October of last year, and I knew that I had to get in my prayer closet when I could. And for me, that's in the middle of the night when all the babies are asleep, and it's quiet, because my, ba my babies can sense when I get out of bed. They really can. <laughs> and so I have to wait till I think they're asleep, and then I have to wait a little bit longer. But every night in my prayer closet, I just cry. And I just weep. Because of what's going on today. Not because I'm scared. Not because I'm worried. But those people are the people that God loves. He has chosen them just as much as he's chosen me. But they don't know it yet. And they're not going to know unless that few 
get on their knees and touch the throne room of God. Because that is where that power and that confidence is going to come from. It's not going to be on a worship, it's the worship experience on a Sunday morning. That's not going to carry you to go pray for that person. The Holy Spirit is going to carry you to go pray for that person. And over the past few months, I've been really learning just who Holy Spirit is. And let me tell you, he is not a force to be reckoned with. All my life, I've grown up thinking that he was some holy cloud in the sky, that he would never come down. He was just this amazing entity that I could never experience or touch. But you guys, if you would get in your prayer closet and say, God, I'm not going to let you rest until you use me. I want to be that few. I want to be that few that agonize over what's going on over your people. David Wilkerson said an amazing quote that kind of knocked me off my feet because he was talking about me when he said it. He said, there's nothing worse than I can think of for a man or a woman of God than to lose the anointing of God and be dead and have the knowledge that something's wrong. That's been, that's been me. <laughs> and God chose this time. God chose at 24 to jump out of the boat because he knew that's how long it was going to take. But I've always had the knowledge that something's not right. I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing. And I think many of you have that feeling, too, that you have the Holy, it's Holy Spirit in the back of your mind saying, Hey, hey. You're not, I've called you. I've called you. This is not who you're supposed to be. You have a purpose. Use it. But you can't use it until you get in his presence and stay in his presence. It's not just I do it Monday night and I'm good for the rest of the week. No, it's daily. It's daily. And it, it brought me back to something that I always say about our loved ones. You know, I want, I want them to be saved, God. I come up here and I pray for them. And God said, you're concerned over it, but you're not anguished by it. You're concerned over your loved ones going to hell. But that doesn't spark any action. That's just me saying, oh, well, God, it'll happen one day. But until we get on our knees and until we cry out and say, God, you've got to do something. I can't take it anymore. You've got to do something. You've got to save them. It's going to make you uncomfortable. And it even might get you rejected. But Holy Spirit is with you. Holy Spirit is with you. He is the one you should be worried about rejecting. He is the one that you should be worried about grieving. 
You've done what you're supposed to do. You've, you've planted that seed. What happens after that is up to God. It's not enough to be concerned by it, but we have to be anguished by it. We have to be anguished by it. And that took me to the story of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah uh, 1 and 4, 1 verse 4, these men have just come and told him that the walls of Jerusalem had fallen. And he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For days I mourned and fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. If Nehemiah was just simply concerned over these things, if he was just concerned over the wall falling, he would have never mourned. He would have never fasted for days and wept for days. And through... Through our anguish, I truly believe two things have to happen. I believe either we become the change for a situation or it changes us. Does that make sense? But what sparks that passion? And it took me back to a, uh, the sermon that Jordan Morris had preached a couple months back, um, A Time to Strike. That sermon was really good, and it stuck with me. But striking the ground means passionate intercession. But something has to spark that passion. And it's always in the back of my mind, how can the church be impacting the world when slowly the world has crept into the church and started impacting the church? How we worship, how we pray, how we think, Everything has started impacting the church. But anguish turns into passion, and passion sparks action. There has to be a brokenness. There has to be a cry. There has to be a spirit-driven passion, passion as the disciples had. If you, if I, I truly believe that if the disciples looked at the way Christians are living nowadays, they would have probably been tempted to throat punch us all. I truly believe that. Because it's too easy for us. It's way too easy for us. And nothing was easy for them. And that is because they daily walked with the Spirit of the Lord. And it put them in uncomfortable places, and it put them in uncomfortable positions. But they choose to be there. They chose to be there because the Spirit told them to be there. And I really believe that Christians are just not tapping into the fullest potential we can tap into by using the Holy Spirit or by being used by the Holy Spirit. All true passion is born out of anguish. And there is some agony that we must pray never goes away. 
And I want to go back to I'm not preaching depression over you. That's not my heart, and that's not God's heart for his people to be, to be depressed or even scared. But to me, anguish is crying out over a situation that you know God already has his hand on. But it's just so uncomfortable for the vessel of God because it's just not right. Break my heart for what breaks yours, oh God. We have to get to that depth with our walk with God. Because if we don't see through his eyes and love with his heart, there will always be judgment passed where there should be grace, and there will always be concern where there should be anguish. There will be no awakening and no revival until the body of Christ gets uncomfortable. It won't happen. Your loved ones won't see you your loved ones won't get saved. Because if not you, then who? If not now, when? We don't we don't have when. We don't have later. We have right now. And I just pray. I know we've already had altar call. And I, if it's okay with you, I don't see the need in having another one, to be honest. I just, I just want to pray that you feel with God's heart. And what breaks his heart breaks yours. If all you do is get in your prayer closet and say, God, let me feel. Let me see. I truly believe that Holy Spirit will meet you in a way that you have never been met before. And I pray that you get uncomfortable. I pray you stay uncomfortable. Because when you get in your comfort zone, nothing happens. All right, Deb. see the need for another altar call. <laughs> Thank you, Autumn. I'm so proud. You know, the other day, <clears throat> I was on the phone with a with an individual and with our business and never met this guy. We just got to talking and he said, Pastor, can I can I ask you a question? And he said, I know it's gonna seem kind of weird, but I just need to ask this question. Family member had passed away and and he said is it all right if I pray for them? He said, I'm not really sure if they went to heaven or hell. He said, but is it all right if I pray for them? 
So I went through the store and I told him, I said, you know, we're given, we're given opportunity while we're alive, while we're walking, breathing. We're given an opportunity to make a decision either to follow Christ or, or we choose not to follow. And I told him, I said, I said, I see your heart. He said, I just hate the thought of somebody dying and going to hell. And I said, I see your heart. And I said, God sees your heart. I said, but the, but the reality is that, that those decisions have to be made before death comes. And I said this, I said, but you know what? I said, I don't believe anybody that understands the reward of heaven and the failure of hell can sit back and not pray for people and not cry for people. I didn't know what Autumn was going to preach this morning. But I said, I think it is so important that we as Christians recognize people are dying and going to hell. They're not going to get a second chance. They're not going to get to walk back and say, hey, I messed up the first time. Can I do it over again? Ladies and gentlemen, we all know people that if they don't get saved, if they don't turn their lives over to Christ, and I told him the story, and, and we're going to close. I told him the story of the rich man and Lazarus, how the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Speaking to Abraham, wanted to come back, wanted to tell his family. Abraham said, You can't come back. Wanted Abraham to dip his finger in, in water and touch the tip of his tongue. Abraham couldn't do that. And then the man said, will you please send somebody to tell my family so that they won't come to this place? You and I have been sent to tell the family. So, maybe this morning, real quickly, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I've never really thought about it like that. I've never really 
had the understanding that if people die without Christ, they're going to hell. Because we don't talk about it a lot. But I want to ask you this morning, if you're here today and you say, you say, God, I want to be more concerned. I want to be broken. When I turn the TV on and see the homosexuality, see the adultery, the fornication, hear the blasphemy that's coming across the television screen, God, let it break my heart. Let me no longer be able to sit there and laugh when some, somebody makes a, a dirty joke. God, help me to realize that people are dying and going to hell. Let it break my heart. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand wherever you are. God, I want to be broken. You say it like this, God, give me the heart that you've got. Give me the heart that caused Jesus to leave the throne of glory, to lay down the crown, take off the royal robe, and look at the Father and say, Father, I'll go. I'll go because if I don't go, they're going to go to hell. Father, I'll be the one because if I'm not the one, there will be no sacrifice. Father, I'll give my blood to die for them because if I don't do it, they're going to die and go to hell. And Jesus the Bible says, laid aside all of who he was and came down to this earth to become the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And it was there that my Savior died and shed his blood so that we could be saved. Who's going to tell the world about it? Who's going to share the message of the gospel? God, let it be us today. Father, we come this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, you know today. God, you know every heart. You know every individual that's in this room today. We thank you for the word that we've heard. We thank you, Father, that, that God, that you have uh, spoken revelation to us today. Father, we ask you today that you'd forgive us that we've not been more concerned. So, Father, today, God, we bow before you this morning. Holy Spirit, come today. Move us. We commit to you. We submit to your authority. And Father, we thank you this morning. Father, for giving that burden. We thank you for drawing us to a place of prayer, of brokenness, 
before you. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for those that have been saved this morning, those that have rededicated themselves to following you, those that have been delivered this morning. We give you praise, Father. We thank you, Father, for the awakening. We thank you for the revival. We thank you for the renewal. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.